Um, somebody asked me a question recently, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience where somebody asked you a question and you knew the answer, but not in the moment. You had to think about it and you had a great answer like three days later. Um, and so, somebody asked me the question, they said, Pastor P, what's the, what's the book or what's some books that have really had an influence like on your life that really impacted you? And I know I'm a preacher and we're in church and I'm supposed to say the Bible, um, but that's, that's kind of an answer, but it's not the whole answer. I'll explain it in just a second. But I had to go, I had to go through a list in my mind about the books that have impacted me. And I just, I just kind of wanted to share a few today and, and, and we're gonna get to eventually where I'm going. The first, the first book that impacted me the most was like Green Eggs and Ham. Now, I know that Dr. Seuss has supposedly been canceled by cancel culture, but cancel culture can kiss my rear end because I love me some green eggs and ham. Um, yeah, half people are clapping, or they're gonna cancel you. It's already happened and I'm still standing. <laughs> Twitter people. Anyway, there's a whole message there for all, but, but this book, as far as leadership principles, it's, it's packed. It's like, don't give up. Just don't give up, just keep going. Just, just keep giving it a try. And I love this book. I've actually given this book as a reading assignment a couple times from people that I'll kind of work with, Green Eggs and Ham. And then the second book, I think one of the second books that impacted me was called Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. Now he's updated this. It's, he's got like Developing the Leader Within You 2.0, but this was the original book. And the reason this book impacted me was it's the first book that I ever read on the subject of leadership. I didn't know that leadership was a thing. And then I went to an event and John was speaking and I could like I just I couldn't get enough. So I bought this book. And and the reason this book impacted me so much is I learned in this book that if you want to lead people, you got to learn how to lead yourself first. And it really impacted me and impacted my leadership in a profound way. And and John has since then written, I don't even know how many leadership books he's written, but I've read every one of them because they're amazing. Um, the next book that really impacted me and, and the way I live my life, um, <laughs> I just see if y'all paying attention, I didn't read this book, I didn't read this book, I, didn't, I did not read this book. I, I saw the movie 47 times, but I did not read the book because I'm not, not reading the book. Now, <laughs> the the book, though, that got me, the book that got me is because if you guessed the Bible, you were kind of right. The Bible isn't really a book. The Bible is a, a collection of 66 books or documents or manuscripts, however you want to look at it. And so in the Bible, people have asked me, what's your favorite book in the Bible? And hands down, it's the book of Acts. This book is, for me, like, like every time I read it, I know what's going to happen but I get excited every single time because it's such a powerful book. Now, it was written by the same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, then Acts. Well, Luke also wrote Acts. So this is a continuation of the Gospel of Luke. Now, let me tell you why I love the book of Acts on a macro level and then on a micro level. On a macro level, this book talks about the local church, and how the local church literally has the power to change the community, the state, the nation, and the world that it's in. I'm captivated by the potential for change that the local church has, and we see it happen in the book of Acts. But what's even more fascinating on a micro level is that in every chapter of the book of Acts, a person or a group of people have their lives changed individually. And you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again, I'll keep saying it. I want us to have a great church, but I want us to have a great church because God is building great people in our church. And I'm seeing that happen. I'm seeing people get closer in your walk with Jesus. I know that I'm getting closer in my personal walk with Jesus. And so out of this book right here, I wanna share with you today five things that we will be as a church. Now, the reason I'm excited about this message is since we've started Second Chance, I've never really preached a vision message. I've never really preached that we're gonna go for it, we're gonna go for a moon, this is what we're going for, and there's a reason why. Number one, I was a little scared at first to preach a vision message because I wasn't even sure if this would work. Number two, 
for a minute, when we were back at the liquor store, I couldn't preach a vision message because I couldn't tell y'all to invite people because if you invited people, we had nowhere for them to sit, right? So I'm excited about this particular message. I'm excited about the, the direction that I feel like God's gonna take our church in. And let me kind of set up what happened. Um, Jesus rose from the dead, which is a big deal. And when he rose from the dead, he told us, guys, he had like 11, because Judas, Judas kind of bailed. He told his guys, he's like, guys, listen, hang out here in Jerusalem, and then the Holy Spirit is gonna fall, and one of them was like, well, how are we gonna know? And Jesus was like, you will know, trust me. And so, Holy Spirit's gonna fall, and then when that happens, you go to Jerusalem, in other words, minister in the town that you're in, and then Judea and Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And they were like, awesome, we'll do that. So they had about 120 people gathered together. Now, 120 people, that's a good, that's a good, the average church size in America is 75. So they were larger than the average church in America. It's a good group. Mary was teaching a Bible study on how to raise godly children, right? Because she raised Jesus. He turned out real good, rose from the dead. All the moms were signing up for that. Thomas was leading the skeptics and the doubters class and Peter was leading the how to quit cussing class and I'm not sure that that worked. But anyway, it was, it was like a small church and 120 people. And then the Holy Spirit moved in Acts chapter two. Unmistakable. It was undeniable. And then Peter got up to preach. The, the most unqualified guy to preach. 50 days before this, he was cussing, telling people he didn't even know who Jesus was. And Jesus was like, I like your passion. We're gonna to have to change a couple things, but you're gonna be the man that preaches on the day of Pentecost. And Peter gets up and preaches. And he preaches, a, he preaches a pretty powerful message. He quotes some Old Testament prophets, and you can read the whole thing in Acts chapter two. You could read Acts chapter two, probably take you five to seven minutes based on your reading speed. But this is what we see in the, in the book of Acts, and these are five things that our church is going to be or we're going to do. Number one, we will think and pray for big things. We will think and pray for big things. And, and let, let me tell you why. I forgot to say this, I almost forgot to say this. Let me tell you why. I believe what happened in here can happen in here. Even more than that, I believe what happened in here for every person in this room can happen in here and in here. So when it comes to thinking about things and praying for things, let's pray for more than a parking spot at Target. <laughs> let's ask God to shake the world, all right? Okay, I got half the people with me. Have it. Listen, I'm gonna get you there because we ain't playing. I'll run an aisle if I have to. If somebody breaks out a tambourine, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I will not do ribbons, but we will do tambourines, all right? Now, let me tell you, why, let me, let me tell you what prompted this. The, the scripture was like, think big. I think all through the scriptures, we're challenged to think big. But it caused me to think of a, probably one of the best theologians of our time. Taylor Swift. Now, I know some of y'all, I don't like Taylor Swift. She could buy you. <laughs> Not what you got, she just buy you. I mean, she's just, she, um, she showed up on scene late 2000s and everybody was like, oh, she's a one-hit wonder. She wrote that song, love song about Romeo and Juliet and everybody was singing it. Do you know that was not a number one song? Her first number one song was We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. And that was a warning to the world. If you date me, she was basically saying, if you date me and you break up with me, I will make you famous because my breakup song about you will go to the world. So don't mess with Tay-Tay, all right? So, so she wrote, everybody said she was gonna be a, a one-hit wonder. But then she just kept producing number one albums and number one albums. And, and you would think, because she's like uh, 33 right now, she's in her early 30s, you would think, well, she's seen the best of her career, but then she recently released this album, Midnights. This album, within 24 hours, broke streaming records on Spotify. Within one week, she sold a half a million vinyl copies 
More than the Beatles, by the way, when vinyl was the only option. And when she announced her tour dates, she broke Ticketmaster. Like Ticketmaster crashed. It went down. You know why? Because she and her team, when it came to this album, they thought big. They didn't get in a room like Christians do and go, you know, if we just get one download, it'll be worth it. I'm tired of that. We're going we're to bust our butt. We're going to work. We're going to pray. If we just get one person to show up, it's worth it. No, it's not. We can, we're the church. We have Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the Son of God is the object of our worship. If anybody, uh, listen, why can Walt Disney and Amazon think big and the church be relegated to thinking small? I think it's time for the church to say, we're gonna pray bold prayers and we're gonna ask God for big things. Where do you get this, Pastor P? Well, the Bible says this, those who believe what Peter had said were baptized and added to the church that day about, <laughs> shut the front door. 3,000, if you would've got 120 people together and said, listen guys, God's gonna do a miracle and y'all are gonna grow. What do you believe in God for? You'd've probably had somebody go, man, 200. Two, I mean, if we got 200, somebody said, no, 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 300. Three, we're gonna pray for 300. So, and there was one person there was full of faith that went 500. Nobody would have imagined 3,000. From 120 to 3,000, is that not miraculous? Like, let's say after church today, I said, you come up to me, hand me 120 bucks, I'll give you back 3,000. Would you rejoice? Absolutely, you would. Not gonna do that, by the way. So, so this is big. Like, this was, this was God letting the church know you need to think for big, you need to think big and you need to ask for big things from 120 to 3,000. And by the way, for those that don't like big churches, you don't even make it out of Acts 2. I, oh man, can, mm. yeah, I can say this. You know why people don't like, some, some people don't like big churches? I didn't say this in the first service. I feel like I gotta say it. Because um, the bigger the church is, the less it's about you. Mm. I had to amen myself on that one. I, somebody make sure I say that tonight, because that was good. Did, did y'all feel that? It just kind of sat for a minute, didn't it? It's true. I'm gonna lose my seat. I'm gonna lose my spot. I'm just, I'm just... Now, this is where, this is where I know, because some of you are gonna push back. You say, you just want a big church. Well, no, thinking big and praying big is way more about this bill. It's, 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 it's way more about this. It's about what's in here, like I said earlier, and what's in here. I want, I want to talk straight to some of you right now and tell you it's time for you to stop thinking small and believing small when it comes to you. God can do a great work in you. God wants to do a great work in you. Two weeks ago when we had the stronghold message, and we preached on strongholds. There were some people that responded, but some people held back because you believe that there's no way that stronghold could ever be broken. And I'm here to tell you by the power and the authority of Jesus Christ that God can and will break that stronghold in your life. The enemy wants us to think small. The enemy wants, listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna tell on him today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna shame the devil right now. I'm gonna shame him because he's telling some people in this room, this is what you thought this week. God wants to do great things for other people, but he could never do great things through me. And I'm here to tell you, he's wrong. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. When it comes to our lives, we need to think big and ask big because we have a God who was able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, feeling it today. Which goes to number two. We will out one another, one another. We'll out one another, one another. I had some friends a few years ago and uh, they, they, were gonna, they were training for an Ironman triathlon. And uh, they asked me would I like to, would like to do that with them. I told them no. 
In fact, I, I named it an eternal destination. I didn't say heaven, I said the other place, no. Because, let me, let me describe an Ironman triathlon. First leg is you swim 2.4 miles. And if it's a legit triathlon, you do it in the ocean. And I ain't going in the shark's house. <laughs> I can dog paddle with the best of them, right? Some of y'all, we could do one local and swim in Lake Hartwell. That might be worse than the ocean. I'm just saying, we don't know what's in that lake. We, nobody knows what's in that lake. So after the 2.4 mile swim, you, you hop on a bike and you bike 112 miles in spandex on purpose. <laughs> I am not doing that for two reasons. Number one, nobody needs to see your boy in bike spandex. And number two, I couldn't train because this is Anderson, South Carolina, and I'm Pastor P, and there'd be somebody driving down the road going, who's that, Pastor P? <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be out. So after you do your 2.4 mile swim, and after you do your 112 mile and I, like bike ride, you run a marathon, 26.2 miles, and people do this on purpose. And I, I said, no, but, but this group, everybody but me did it. They trained for it, they competed, and they completed it. Now, you can say anything you want to about this group of men that did it, but they were devoted. I read the training regiment. You, had to, you don't just wake up one day and say, I think I'm gonna do an Ironman today. You gotta get, it, it takes development work. Would you agree? Now, with that in mind, I love what Luke tells us about this group of believers. He said, all the believers devoted themselves. Something I learned about me a few years ago, and it's true about every person in this room, when it comes to our personal walk with Jesus, I want you to listen to me. You are ridiculously in charge. In America today, we can blame anybody for anything and we don't have to take any responsibility. But scripture said, the early church, they devoted themselves. In other words, they, they were like, I'm, I'm in this thing. And I, I'm in this thing because it's, it's making me, it's shaping me into becoming a better person. And I'm in this thing because this thing is bigger than anything I could do on my own. What did they devote themselves to? Well, the apostles' teaching, which was pretty much about Jesus, right? And to fellowship, and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I can tell you, when I first started going to church, one of the things I loved was Sunday nights. And the reason I love Sunday night service is after Sunday night service, we would all go out to eat. My church was in Easley. We went to Capri's afterwards. Capri's was like the bomb. It's still the bomb. I love me some Capri's, right? Those cheese sticks. Come on now. Now, when it comes to one anothering one another, there's some verses that are in the scriptures I felt like I needed to share. First two are from the Lord. The last one, I just thought it was funny. Paul said in Ephesians 4.32, instead, be kind to each other. We need to put that verse in the parking lot, like on a sign. <laughs> Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Forgiving one, forgi forgiving one another. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is there's people in this room that you need to forgive somebody in this room. Some of you are like, not in this room. I know because they came to the last service and you came to this service to avoid them. <laughs> you need to forgive them. Well, Pastor P, they don't deserve forgiveness. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because you should forgive them just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Did you deserve forgiveness? Neither did I. Here's another one. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. That's what I love. I want this to be a place where you don't have to be fake. 
How's your life, how's your week been? It sucked. Awesome. What can we do to make sure that next week, because, because if church is a place where we show up and we're always fake, we always, how did, how's your week? It's been so good. I've been so blessed. And Jesus said, no, no, stop it. I mean, if that's true, amen. But like, this should be a place where we can, like Jesus said in, in, in the scriptures to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Now this next one, I know we got some single people. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm just saying there's a verse that you can use to maybe, just to let somebody else know you're interested. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. <laughs> I want you to listen to me. Don't, don't put this verse in action in the lobby today because our, our security team will tase you if we see you. Just, but it's a great, say, hey, 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 listen. What do you think Paul meant when he said that? Why don't we find out? <laughs> it's just trying to help everybody out, all right? Number three, we'll be filled with gratitude. We will be filled with gratitude. Gratitude, gratitude is that thing that you can't hide. Gratitude just comes out. Now, when I first started going to church, once again, I was in Easley, South Carolina. I went to Brushy Creek Baptist Church. It, it, it will always hold a special place in my heart. We had an incredible choir. Um, and I know some church choirs that are not the best in the world, but this choir, they would come out and they would sing like Forever King or they would sing an opening song. And it was like, oh my gosh, we're about to do some business. And it was great, but we were Baptist. Now there's nothing wrong with Baptist. There's not a lot wrong with Baptist, but there was a lady in the choir and at some point during the service, she always had a question. And the reason I knew she had a question is she would do this and nobody ever answered her question. This is coming from the perspective of a guy that didn't go to church. And so about, about week two or week three, I was like, I asked my buddy, I was like, is anybody gonna answer her question? He said, what? I said, that lady right there, she's got a question every week. It's bothering me, I wanna know what, and he busted out laughing. I said, what? He said, she's worshiping. I said, why isn't anybody else doing it? He said, we're, we're Baptist. <laughs> she comes from a charismatic background. I went, okay. Now, I come from a Wesleyan background. We wouldn't raise our hands if somebody was robbing us. We'd just die. <laughs> That's the first time I ever saw a hand raiser. Well, in the early to mid-90s, like praise and worship music started to become a thing, and I started going to concerts, and and, and, and people were around me were raising their hands. And somebody asked me one night, we left one of these worship events. They said, you didn't raise your hands. I was like, well, obviously you weren't focused on God because if you had been focused on God, you wouldn't have focused on the fact that I didn't raise my hands. And they said, why didn't you raise your hands? And I said this, some of y'all said this, I'm not a hand raiser, not really a hand raiser. And I wasn't. But then I just would get in an event like that and 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 God would start reminding me about all he's done for me. And let me tell you, for those of you that say you're not hand raisers, you're closer than you think. Let me tell you step one. I saw some of y'all do it during the worship today. You had your hands in your pockets because you, you think if you keep them in your pockets, they're not going up. <laughs> and you start rocking back and forth. But that, this isn't the first move. This is the first move. Are you ready for it? You're flapping your angel wings. These are, these are your angel wings. You're getting ready. I'm telling you, once this starts, you're, you're gone. You might as well go ahead. Because for me, I caught myself doing this one night, and I, and I was looking around to make sure nobody was watching. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm holding a baby chicken. It's a baby chicken. And then, 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 if you, then you can move to, I got heartburn. I got heartburn. I got heartburn. Then you go to that lady in the choir. And before, before you know it, before I, listen, I was like, I am not raising my hands, I love Jesus, like I was there. 
And for me, it wasn't to show anybody, it wasn't to show people how spiritual I was, it's because I got just filled with gratitude. When I pull into this parking lot every Sunday and see that second chance sign, I just get overwhelmed with gratitude. Gratitude. This is, this is what we see in the scriptures where, where um, Luke writes, a deep sense of awe came over them all. I'm in awe of what God is doing in this place with this group of people. I, I know for a fact, if it wasn't for this church, I wouldn't be in church. And for a lot of you, that's, the, that's your story. I'm in awe of what God's doing. I'm, and, and the apostles perform many miraculous signs and wonders. Now, let me tell you why I'm full of gratitude. Because this is where we started. Some of you are like, I don't remember that. But some of you do. You watched the first service. I, I streamed it from this living room. I put the iPhone right there, propped it up on those bookcases because <laughs> we didn't have the money to buy one of those fancy little stands. It's called a tripod that you can like put your iPhone on. We, we didn't have that. It was an iPhone 7. And I, I propped it up right there and I, I preached my guts out. And then I spent the rest, I blocked over 150 people that day. And he told me I was a heretic and I was going to hell and all that stuff. So, um, and that's where we started. And then after, after we met there, I say we, as me and everybody online, we moved to this place. It was downtown. And I preached in that room to about 12 people for a year. No music. Some of you watched, some of you joined us online. We didn't have any music, we just had Ed. Did Ed sing? Nope, Ed was like five, four. <laughs> What's up everybody, how y'all doing? It was like, like for a year. And then, and then we moved from there to there. Some of y'all, that was your first experience at Second Chance. You walked in. Some of you didn't wanna be seen. I know you didn't wanna be seen because you did this. It's now a liquor store. <laughs> Isn't that great? Aren't you glad I didn't get fired for going to see strippers because we'd have a strip club. Anyway, never mind, just stay with it. Okay. I didn't say that in the last service either. And edit that out. We're not putting this one on YouTube, dear God. I already can't. Anyway, and then now we're here. And, and the, reason, the reason I love this place is because when I first came to Anderson, and, and some of y'all remember this, this was Walmart. Then it was Bilo. Then it was an empty shell, vacant, abandoned, nothing in this place. And now look, look, look what God has done in this building. Now... Let me tell you why I'm really gracious. Let's go back for a second. Some of you, this is where you are spiritually. You're just getting started. Some of you, this is where you were spiritually when you started coming to Second Chance and God started growing you and he grew you in his time, not in your time. And then before you knew it, God took you to another place spiritually. And before you knew it, God took you to another place spiritually. My question is, is this the end of the road for you or does he still want to do more for you? The reason I'm full of gratitude is not because he built a great building. I'm gracious because there are people in this room that you're closer in your walk with Jesus than you've ever been or you were, you were walking away and now you're coming back towards him and I'm gracious for the people in this place that Jesus is doing a work in you. That's what keeps me going every single week. I love you and I love seeing what Jesus does in you. Which leads to number four. Y'all ain't ready for number four. In fact, tell, you, tell your neighbor right now, say you ain't ready for number four. <laughs> At least I didn't tell you to tell them they're not ready for number two. All right, here we go. <laughs> we will be radically generous. Now, anytime you talk about money in church, it just makes people pucker. 
I'm not talking about these cheeks either. People are like, oh my God, church just wants your money. If, if that's gonna be your rationale as to why you go to certain places and why you don't, stay away from Target. Because that place wants your money. Stay away from the grocery store. I went yesterday to buy peanut butter and toilet paper. $97 later. They just want your money. This is a mega church. I just, by the way, we're not, a, according to the numbers, we're not even a mega church. We're a micro church with a mega vision, but we're not a, oh, oh my God. Make sure I say that tonight too. Somebody write that down for me. <laughs> but we will be radically generous. This is, and I'm not gonna pull the thing where I'm like, if you, if you sow your seed, if you just give $100, God will give you 10000 next week. Now, I wish, I, I, I wish that was true. And you know what? I've seen God do that. I've seen people give, and then they get a check. I've seen that happen, but I'm not, I'm not about all that. I'm just, I'm blown away at the generosity of this church. If you've been coming to the church, this church for any amount of time, ask yourself this question. How many times have I had to stand on this stage and beg for money? Zero. I just get up and thank people. Thank y'all for giving. I forgot to do it in the last service. I forgot to put up the giving slide. So I just prayed a prayer and during the prayer I made an announcement. God thank those that give online and in the box. And, 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 and the reason this is so important is because the scriptures say, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had and they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They were just radically generous. And, and Jesus said where your treasure is in Matthew 6, that's where your heart's gonna be. And I know there's a lot of people in this church, your heart is in this place because of the way you give and I'm so thankful for it. Let me, when you give in this church, let me tell you what you've invested in. Let me tell you what you invest in. Since we started, we've seen 2,809 people accept Christ. Does that not fire you up? That, I'm like, oh my gosh. We're, we're making hell. I want Anderson, South Carolina to be the hardest place to go to hell in the world. We've, we've, seen, we've seen 314 baptisms. I say we take it next week to 425. You say, do we have that many registered? Nope. I'm just saying by faith, let's, let's, can, we, can we pray and ask for big things? Next week's gonna be awesome. Don't miss next week. It's gonna be amazing. Some of y'all are like, I'm not even going because they just baptizing people. Oh, don't miss next week. But let me tell you another reason I'm super grateful for your generosity. This text devotional thing. It, it just kind of took off and nobody saw it coming. I had the idea, I've been, I've been wrestling with the idea because I'm like, you know what? I, so sometimes I'm, I gotta watch myself because I'm, I'm 51 and if I don't watch myself, I can switch into old man mode. <laughs> I'll be all these people on their phone, you need to get off the Facebook and get your face in the book. <laughs> don't write that down, that wasn't good. I'm, and I'm out there, I don't wanna be the guy screaming, get off your phone. I know people that have social media channels screaming at people to get off their phone on their phone. I'm like, you, so I just started thinking, you know what? If people are already on their phone, why not just meet them there? Send them a text with a Bible verse and a couple thoughts with it. So I just had that thought all week long. So I went online and Googled church texting services. And I found this text service. And I was like, this is awesome. I can text people a devotion. This is gonna be amazing. I want us to get signed up for this. But I don't sign up for IT stuff. I send it to Ed. The 54321 guy, Ed. Ed, somebody like, what does Ed do at, at this church? He's like MacGyver. He fixes stuff. Like the stage could fall in and Ed would be like, uh, give me a minute. Does somebody have a sewing needle and a match? And, and he just makes it work. I don't know how. You know, I texted Ed, I was like, Ed, I found this incredible service and I think we need to use it. 
He texts me back in like two minutes, like, we, we already have an account. That's what we use. I was like, awesome. I already knew that. I was just testing you, <laughs> Ed. I'm the boss. <laughs> so I went online. I figured out how to do the whole thing by myself because that's the thing. I, wanna, I, if I, I need to learn how to do it. So I'm, I figured out how to do it. I wrote the devotion. I put the thing out there. And this is what I thought. We'll have 200 people sign up. We'll have 200 people sign up. I'll do it for about two or three weeks and then we'll just say, wasn't that fun? And we did have 200 people sign up that day. And so we had to like upgrade our plan. Not a problem, right? Right now, we're closing in on 2,300, 2,400 people signed up for this text. And let me tell you, let me tell you the reason I'm excited about it. I had a guy tell me the other day, I had a guy tell me, he said, he said, Every day for years, I've been getting out of bed and checking my phone and looking on Facebook and Instagram. He said, but now, he said, I know I'm gonna get a text from you every morning at seven o'clock, and that's the first thing I read. And he said, it's changing my life. And this, that's what you call discipleship. We've got more people right now reading scriptures together than have ever read scripture. And, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, some of you are like, what does all this have to do with generosity? Well, because we got so many people signed up, we have uh, exceeded the limitations of our plan. <laughs> and so currently, it costs us between 125, 150 bucks a day to send out this devotional. Now listen, stop. I don't, I know your cousin has an app and he's, like, I don't, I don't, we, we've got a great service. We're using it. We're not going to ask people to stop. With it. And we've, we've, te we've checked it out this week. This is still the best deal going. This was not in the budget. We've set a budget every year. This was not in the budget at all. But here's what's awesome. I'm not standing on this stage going, if y'all don't give, we're going to have to shut the tech service down People going to die and go to hell. I hope you're good with it. No, 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 no. I'm just going to say thank you for giving. Because you give, we're able to do it. And this is what I told the staff last week. I said, I'm just going to mention in the church because you know, you know what I know about our church? Somebody heard that and you got the ability to fund it for the rest of the year. Do it. If you don't do it, we're still going to, we'll figure it out. We'll just take all the goldfish away from the kids, right? I mean, I'm not just kidding. We won't do that. Dear God. I have a church split over that. I'm just saying thank you for giving because you give. We don't have to sweat that. We don't have to worry about it. We've got the money. We were able to do it. And we're going to at least keep it going through February. And the reason I say February, it isn't a money thing. It's like I've literally told y'all everything I know about the Bible. I'm trying to figure out new stuff, all right? The last thing, the last thing, last thing, number five. We will change the world. Thank you. Nobody said it in the last service. One in this service. And everybody else, I know why you didn't say amen, because think about it. I'm on your team here for a second. It's what you're thinking. Pastor Pete, this is Anderson. This is not New York City or Los Angeles. Thank God. This is Anderson. Our number one tourist attraction is the Jockey Live. That's true, by the way. Go on TripAdvisor. I think it's TripAdvisor, number one, Jackie Light. By the way, if you haven't been to Jackie Light, you should go. It's amazing. And they serve alcohol there now, which they didn't need that out there, but now they, so now you can get a drunk duck instead of a sober duck. Anyway, that's a different story. This is, this is what you're thinking. This is, this is Anderson, South Carolina, Pastor P. How are we going to change the world from Anderson, South Carolina. Well, I'm glad you asked because right now Anderson County has more people in it than Jerusalem had during the time of Jesus. Oh, by the way, we've got technology that we can reach the world quicker than they could 2,000 years ago. Why can't God use a church like this to change the world? Why not us? Why not now? Why not? I'm tired of small thinking and I'm tired of small prayers. Because, because this, is what, this is what Luke tells us in the book of Acts. He said, 
They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved, every day. Every time they got together, people meeting Christ. I call that a win. Now let's say, let's, let's say, let's, let's take a hypothetical. Let's say that we got serious about this and we were gonna rent out the, the place in Greenville. It was the, the Bilo Center, now it was the Bon Secours, is that it? The Bon Secours Wellness Arena. I laughed when I heard that name because I'm a middle school boy at heart. I'm like, the BS Arena, that's great, that's wonderful. Now some of you, that's all you'll be able to say. But the, the, let's say we rented that place out and we had what we called revival services. And we started doing revival services and 10,000 people got saved every night. Would that not be incredible? That would be incredible. And I'm not saying I'm not down for it. I mean, if, if that's what God ever called us to do, we would do it. But at that pace, it would take us 2,351 years to reach the world. I ain't got that long. I mean, <laughs> that's it right I'm, I'm at 51 right now. I ain't gonna make it here. But if one person, one, in this room said, you know what? I'm gonna get serious about this. And you invited someone to church with you. That's all you did. You invited them to a place where they experienced the presence of Jesus. Because this is why I know when you get into the presence of Jesus, you cannot stay the same. And they received Christ. And for the next six months, you and that person, you agreed to attend church together and encourage one another. And at the end of that six months, you, you went and led someone else to Christ, invited them to church, and the other person went and led someone else to Christ and invited them to church. Well, that'd be awesome. If just one person did it, at the end of the first year, we'd have four people. And that was pretty awesome. I'll take four over zero, Right? And, the, and then, you know, we had eight and 16 and 32 and 64 and 128 and then 256. And that's a lot of people in seven years. In seven years, by doing it that way, we'd have 256 people. And that's what you would, I mean, that would be awesome. Now, we're not even close to the 10,000 per night. But year eight, we'd get in the 500s, and then we'd break 1,000, and in 10 years, we'd reach 2,000 people. In 11, we'd reach four, and 12, and it kind of keeps going. 14, we'd reach 32,000. It'd take us 14 years to reach what it would take three nights at 10,000 people a night. This is one person, one person who gets serious. Year 15, 65,000, and 131, and 262, and 524, and then by year 19, we're at a million people. We've reached a million people for Christ. In year 20, it's 2 million, and year 21, it's 4 million, and it just keeps getting crazy from there. Year 25, we're at 67 million people. Year 28, we're at a half a billion people. This starts with one person. Year 29, we're at a billion people, two billion people, four billion people. And in 32 years, we reach the entire population of the planet because one person. Now, here's my question. If that can happen with one person getting serious, what could happen if a whole room got serious? I love what they said about the apostles. They started going in and preaching the gospel and sharing the good news, and, and this is how they described them. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. If anything needs to get turned upside down right now, it's our world. So confused, so divisive, but so hungry for Jesus. You know how don't you know how I know our world is hungry for Jesus? 
I saw it a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football. Some of you saw it too. First quarter, DeMar Hamlin gets hit. He goes down. Before you know it, before you know it, he's, people, medical professionals are rushing to him and these big, humongous football players that showed up to oppose each other, they're joining hands and what did they start doing? They started praying. And everybody in that stadium started praying. And everybody watching on TV started praying. There were even sports announcers that started praying out loud. God, get his, God let his heart get started. Let his heart start beating again. It, let me tell you, in that moment, nobody was concerned about anybody's pronouns. Nobody was concerned about race or ethnicity. Nobody was concerned about gender. They were concerned with one thing and one thing only. That man is dying and we want him to come back to life. And a football field turned into a prayer meeting. And I'm looking at that going, if God can do that at a football game, what could he do with a church that decided to stand on God's word and say, I don't care what it takes. We're gonna do whatever we can to reach as many people as possible with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. So we're about to end a little bit differently today. We're gonna do an invitation and an altar call. First reason we're gonna do the altar call is because there's some people Dozens of people that told me two weeks ago, I should have came forward, but I didn't. I should have came forward to get prayed for, but I didn't. And I thought, this is second chance. <laughs> and it's never too late. And there's other people that you need somebody to pray for you because of what you're going through. You need to pray that God would set your heart on fire need to pray for a friend or a family member that's lost or have, has walked away from God. So we're gonna have people all on the front of the stage. And if you want someone to pray with you or for you, you come to them. If you wanna pray by yourself, you grab the hand of the person that you came with and you can pray off to the sides and people will leave you alone. I'm just telling you, don't miss this opportunity to ask Jesus to do something significant in you something happens when we move when we move God always meets us there so I'm inviting you today to come to the altar would you stand with me for prayer father I want to ask you right now in Jesus name God for every person in this room for the person that's hurting for the person that feels abandoned or alone or forgotten for the person that is struggling with a stronghold for the person that is desperate for you to do something significant in their lives. Jesus, I pray as that we sing and as we worship, that they wouldn't be able to stay in their seat. God, they would move and they would receive the work that you want to do in them as we come to the altar. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Jesus, thank you so much for God, we never, ever, 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 ever had a service where you didn't meet us in this place. Standing back, back there just a minute ago, there's a couple here. Came here together today. I don't know who you are, but you're, you feel like your marriage is hanging on by a thread. You sat next to each other in the service, but you, you haven't touched. So I want you to reach out and if that's you, just grab, your, just grab your spouse's hand right now because this is what God, God is telling you, that you're going to make it. Stop looking for a way out and start looking for a way through. Stop looking for a way out. Start looking for a way through. There's somebody here 
you've got a porn addiction. You felt it two weeks ago that you should come forward and get prayed for. You felt it today. You haven't moved. God wants you to know that that addiction can be broken. You just got to have the courage to ask for help. There are people in this room here today that you don't know Christ. You've never prayed to receive Jesus. You've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. And you know that's the decision that you need to make today. You need to ask Christ to come into your life and be your Lord. If that's you and you know you need Jesus today, you need him to be your savior, then I want you to pray this with me today. I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray it out loud. Our Second Chance family, we're gonna pray it with you so you don't pray it by yourself. Because this is, this is you stepping into not just you and God, but you in a relationship with people that have a relationship with God. So let's pray this together out loud. And if you need to pray to receive Christ, you pray it with confidence and boldness. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. You are God. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer out loud, you just asked Christ to come into your life, I want you to do me a favor right now, right where you stand, and put your hand straight up in the air because I want to pray with you. I want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Man, hands all over the room. God, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for these people that have their hands raised, Jesus. I want to thank you that you literally just brought them from death to life. I, I thank you, Jesus, you literally just made them brand new in you. Father, thank you for your saving power. Thank you that your saving power is in this place. Thank you for the people that have responded today. Thank you for the people that are going to respond as a result of today. Thank you for who you are and for what you're doing in this place. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and every and everybody that agreed said amen and amen are you glad you came to the house of god today man i hope you guys have a great weekend we'll see y'all back here next sunday